Heavenly Father, today is a day of rejoicing. Whatever that is, baptisms or music or just your spirit moving in our hearts. And as we open your word and as we think about who you are and what you've called us to do, I ask that you will challenge our hearts. Challenge this church. Push us hard if you have to, God, because we want to answer your call to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were here last week, you remember that we were talking about Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and we talked about how the gospel is Jesus and is his salvation. And Paul, he speaks to the Galatians and he says, don't add to it. That's all it is, is Jesus. Uh, But we've been using this verse, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. You'll see it here on the screen. Here, if you can see it. Possibly. Hey, there it is. Here's what Paul says. He says this, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He says this last part that we focus on today. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. When when my family moved to Florida about a year and a half ago, not quite a year and a half ago, there was only one non-negotiable. I mean, we could have had a one-bedroom house as long as we got this non-negotiable. We didn't even have to have a bathroom as long as we got this one non-negotiable. I mean, we bought a house that didn't even have a kitchen, but we had this one non-negotiable. It had to be a swimming pool. Now, some of you think that swimming pools are the greatest waste of money or they're just a big frustration. Non-negotiable for my family because when you have a swimming pool, everything is better. I mean, you just can endure the summer heat with a swimming pool. It makes me do things I would never want to do. Like, I want to go out and mow the yard because I can get into my swimming pool. I want to go out and go for runs. I'm I'm kidding. I never want to go out and go for runs. But I can go out for a run, and then I can get into the swimming pool afterwards because I have a swimming pool. I'll do lots of things because I can go swimming. And we have this big oak tree that kind of covers part of the pool, and so it keeps the water cool even in the hottest parts of the month. I mean, it'll be 100 degrees outside, yet my pool, a nice balmy 85 degrees, perfect temperature. Some of you that have direct sunlight, it's 91, 92, 93. That's miserable. I wish that's how the, uh, the baptistry was this morning. If you know, right, Kaylin? That would have been nice, right? Um, those swimming pools are fantastic. And I've learned a lot about swimming pools like this. I learned about uh, chlorine. Never had experienced that before. Or pool pumps or pool filters or scooping up dead frogs out of the pool. Some of you know. If you know, you know. But there was one part that I had to learn the hard way, and it's this. If you have a pool, there's a line somewhere on your pool. Sometimes it's in the tile along the top of the pool, and you know where that line is. Sometimes it's just an imaginary line that you know where the line is, and you look out at the pool and you look for that line. It's the water level line. You know where the water is supposed to be at, higher, lower, whatever. And and the water goes up and down depending on evaporation and heat or depending on how much rain we get. Like recently, I've been emptying the pool because we've had so much rain coming. I looked out at our pool not too long ago, and I noticed the water level was really low. And I thought, what's going on? This is, this is unusual. So I got the, the garden hose, and I filled up the swimming pool. And uh, a few hours later, the water was back down. I thought, what is happening? And if you have a pool, you knew that I had a, a leak. Yes. So I went to the best store ever, Pinch a Penny. You walk in there, and I explained to them what was happening, and they just gave me kind of a smile. And they said, finding leaks in your pool is pretty hard sometimes. 
I knew that it probably was at the skimmer where the plastic meets the tile, and so they said they gave me some putty, and so I went and I started puttying, and, and I got the leak fixed. I want you to know that. But here's the thing. If my pool was leaking, when my pool was leaking, if you had come over to my house, you would have looked at the pool and you would have said, Pastor Matt, your pool is full of water. Why are you so concerned with the water that you're losing? Like, what's the big deal? Just go swimming. It's hot. But here's, the, here's my thinking. While the pool may be full of water, I care more about the water that I lose than the water that I keep. Are you following me? I care more about the water that is being lost than the water that is still inside. Does it sound like Christianity sometimes? Where we focus more about what happens in here than what happens out there. See, in this Galatians 5 passage that Paul speaks to the church in Galatia, and I believe he speaks to you and me to do today too, he talks about the calling to be free. But he also turns the page and shows what the next step is after you have been called to be free. Let's read it again. Here it is on the screen for you. He says this, you, Forest Lake, Seventh Avenue Church, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And he says this, and here's where we focus. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. You remember the context of the passage from last week, and if you don't, here's the, here's the uh, Cliff Notes version. There's two groups of people in the church. The, the old timers, that's the Jews that have been converted to Christianity along with all their traditions, and they're the newbies, uh, the, the, the Gentiles that have just joined Christianity, that have no baggage and traditions, and they're joining this church. And you've got the old timers that are saying, uh, the gospel is good, Jesus' death is great, but there's more and you must be circumcised. And the Gentiles are thinking, what's going on? And Paul writes this letter to say, um, Jesus' grace is and only all that you need. Uh, Don't add to it. Don't add anything to it. But as Paul always does, he finds a balance between grace and the law. And I find it interesting about which part of the law he focuses here in Galatians. Now, as many of you know, and I'll just share this for those that don't know, the law, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that God gave, it's two parts, right? You got the part that's vertical, it's between God and humans, and you got the part that's horizontal, between humans and humans. The first four of the commandments, it's all about your relationship with God. Have no other gods, don't make idols, don't take God's name in vain, remember the Sabbath day. It's all vertical connection. But that last six, that's the horizontal connection. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. They're all about relationships with humans. And so Paul, after he declares you're called to be free, he says, here's what the law looks like to you as well. It's the next step. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, though, because those aren't his words. He's a thief. He's a plagiarizer. And he steals them from the mouth of God. I mean, it's God's Ten Commandments. It's the Decalogue. It's his his character in a nutshell as he hands it to humanity. He says, this is what I look like, and this is how you are to be too. And he gives it to humanity, and all throughout the Bible, you hear the Ten Commandments wrapped up into this phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, in Leviticus, God talks about it. He says, "Here, here, children of Israel, here's what you're supposed to do. By the way, love your neighbor as yourself. 
But I like how Paul adds to it. He gives the enhanced version in Romans chapter 13. And so if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you just to open to Romans chapter 13, where we get the bigger picture. This is not the Cliff Notes version. It's the bigger picture of what he's saying. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There's a blue book in front of you. If this is your very first time in a church, you can grab that book and you can follow along on page 804. It's the same version and translation that I'm reading. And so you'll get the same thing. I love the book of Romans. If you want to know what Jesus has done for you, read the book of Romans. It blows my mind every time I read this book. And in Romans chapter 13, you hear Paul as he focuses on that same phrase of loving your neighbor, but he gives the enhanced version. I still hear some pages turning, so I'll give another minute here. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 8. Here's what my Bible says. We're going to read verse 8, and we'll, we'll stop there for a moment. Here's what it says. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Let me read it again. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Paul says it pretty plainly. He says, don't owe people. Don't owe them anything except one thing, and that's love. Oh, by the way, you can't ever finish that debt. You can't ever pay it off. You can't ever even up. You can't repay it. You can't ever not owe love to somebody else. Forever and always, you owe one another love. Forever and always. And as I'm thinking about this passage and I'm brooding over this one verse, it made me think of Joey. You probably know Joey. You might have seen him on TV. Um, he's an interesting dude. You can never fill him up. He's always hungry. It doesn't matter how much food you stuff in him and cram in him, he always can eat more. You can never finish filling him up. It's, he's insatiable. You might know him a little bit better as Joey Chestnut. Anybody know Joey Chestnut? We got a we can, we've got the, the Mitinger family, Marshall and Maddox are the only people in this sanctuary. Okay, and Carlos, very nice. I'll show you Joey Chestnut. He is by far one of the most um, well-known professional eaters. How would you like to be known as a professional eater? Wouldn't that be awesome? You could train for this. I train every day for this. One day, maybe I'll be a professional eater. I'm going on a cruise in a few weeks. I can't wait because maybe I can uh, pack on some pounds, you know, just, you know, get ready for this. Here's what happens. Joey Chestnut is a professional eater, and every 4th of July, there's about 20 people that have qualified to be a part of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs uh, eating contest. <laughs> happens at Coney Island, right on there on the streets. People come from all over to see what happens. 20 contestants get up, and they have 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs as they can. The, the bell rings and they are off and they take the hot dog buns and they dip it in water or they're dipping it in lemonade to kind of soften it up and they're stuffing themselves. They do the hot dogs two at a time and it's amazing how many hot dogs they can stuff in their bellies. It's just, I mean, they're insatiable. You just, you can't get enough in there. You just keep pumping them in. It doesn't matter. Joey Chestnut is next level though. For years, he has held the record and it just continues every year. I mean, at one point it was 68. Next year it was 69, next year it was 72, and then in 2021, this happened. Now let me warn you, what you're about to see is both gross 
and amazing. Would you like to see it this morning? All right, here we go. Here's Joey Chestnut. <laughs> oh. Look at the people, they're so excited. Seventy-three in ten minutes. Seventy-four. He's at seventy-four. Joey's coming back. Seventy-five. Joey's coming back. He says. Oh, he looks so happy, doesn't he? <laughs> 76! 76! Oh, so gross. Nobody's hungry anymore. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Somebody at first service texted me, and, they, and he, I, I don't know how he knows this stuff. He says that these guys train by eating salad and drinking lots of water, and it stretches their stomach. Now you know. If you want to train, if you want to beat Joey, that's how you do it. Joey knows how to train for this. And he, he can fill himself, but he never gets full. He can cram himself with hot dogs, and he can always have more. And just like Joey's never filled, and like you and I always uh, think we've done enough, there's always more that you can do. You can't love your neighbor too much. You can't show God's love to the point where it's not valuable anymore. It's a never-ending debt that you and I get the joyous opportunity to show the love of God to everyone that we meet for the rest of our lives. Paul keeps going in verse 9. Here's what he says. We'll read 8 and then 9. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Verse 9, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul says in Romans, you know God? You know the God in the first four commandments? You know, the one that is kind, the one that's honest, the one that's loyal, the one that protects life. All of that is summed up in this, loving your neighbor. And in Galatians, where we've been, Paul shares the beautiful experience of freedom in the gospel and the next steps to it, which is sharing it. In fact, I think you could summarize it in this phrase here. Here it is on the screen. It's very simple. Because you have freedom, you are called to give it away. That's it. Because you've experienced freedom, you're called to give it away. Are you tracking with me this morning? Mm. Are you tracking with me this morning? See, in this life that you and I live, once you experience freedom that only can come from Jesus, you can't just keep it. You have to give it away. And while that might seem like the most basic point ever, it's harder than it seems. So often Christianity looks more like we are freedom hoarders. I mean, the gospel of freedom in Jesus is so personal to us, and it has to be. But so often we just sit and bask in God's grace, and that's where it seems to end. The gospel of freedom is the greatest gift to mankind, yet so often we end up just hoarding it to ourselves. I mean, we drive in our cars to church on Sabbath morning, thinking about what our personal worship experience will be like 
yet we don't even think about the hundreds of people in the homes that we pass by every time we come to church. What if they are lost? Every day we go to work and we do our jobs and we, we are often around people and we connect with them, but how often do we think that we are the ones that are in their life so that we can help them know Jesus better? Maybe they need us. So often we do this, we pull into our driveway, and if you are a real hoarder, you probably can't do this, uh, but we hit the garage door opener and the garage goes up and we pull inside and we close the garage door opener, close the garage door before any of our neighbors can ever talk to us like we have the secret sauce to the greatest recipe ever and we don't want anyone else to know it, but we do that with the gospel. All too often, Christianity looks more like a hoarder's anonymous support group than it does a place where people are dying to share the gospel message about Jesus. And Paul tells us in not so plain words that after you experience the freedom in Jesus, go give it to somebody else. You see, I've got a problem. It's a personal problem. I'll be a little vulnerable with you probably because you probably have this problem too. I have a problem in my life and it affects how I interact with my neighbors. It affects how I live the gospel and it's called selfishness. See, I live on a golf course. It wasn't intentional, but I'm glad I do because I love golf. And now I can just walk out my back door and go hit some balls on the golf course if I want to. Or there's a green in the front of my house. And so sometimes on Sabbath afternoons, uh, when the kids are tired of swimming in the pool, we'll, we'll go out there and we'll just enjoy nature and have a little friendly competition on the green, see how close we can get to the, to the hole. Now, where my house is located is right here. Here's a picture. Okay, right in the middle, there's a green, a, a fairway that runs all the way. There's kind of a bend in it. It used to be a par three, and the, the green used to be right behind my house. But a while ago, they said, let's stretch this hole and make it a par five. And so right at the very first bend of the fairway where it heads up a little higher on the screen is where my house is, which means that if you hit a straight drive on the, on the second hole there, your golf ball is likely to end in my backyard. Now, if you're a golfer, you know that finding a nice golf ball is like finding a hundred bucks in the woods. It's the greatest feeling ever. And I believe that if someone else hits their golf balls into my yard, it should become my property. I mean, it makes sense, right? If you put your property into my property, it should be my property, right? I think it makes complete sense. And honestly, I think it's a little rude when people walk around in my yard looking for their golf ball. I mean, just a few months ago, um, I caught this guy doing this. Here's a video of him. Look at this guy. That is literally, he could touch my house right there. Watch how slick he is. Oh, nobody noticed this. Look at him. That's in my yard. I, I hope you're offended for me. First, I'm not crazy about people roaming around my yard, but also I like to have nice golf balls. And I've started a good collection. I've got a milk crate full of them. I've got all sorts of ones. I've got Nikes, I've got Callaways, I've got TaylorMades, I've got Pro V1s. If you know, you know. And I love it when people donate their golf balls to me. I've even gone so far as to put white stakes along the property line so that those golfers know that they are now entering private property. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, Oftentimes, I leave the grass a little longer in the backyard so it's harder for them to find their balls. <laughs> Not too long ago, though, my perspective began to shift. I went golfing with 
James Johnson. He's the senior pastor of the Apopka Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's a great dude and a great church. And uh, we played at this course not too far from here. And, and as we were playing, one of us had a pretty bad tee shot. I won't tell you who it was. Um, and it landed in um, somebody else's yard that had a fence around it. So we drove the cart up to this person's uh, property there, and, and we're looking inside, and I already know how I feel about going to get a golf ball in somebody else's yard. I'm not going to do it anymore. Used to, but not anymore. And it's, it's far enough in that we can't reach it, even with the, that telescoping pole to get the golf ball. And so we're just kind of standing there wondering what we're going to do. And that's when we noticed this. Here's a picture of it. This family created this wooden bin, and they strapped it to their fence, and it says, ball in yard, take one. And it changes my perspective. I mean, I'm not there yet, <laughs> but at least I can see the other side. <laughs> I mean, this family understands what Paul's trying to say in this passage. The goal isn't to try and just collect golf balls and keep them for yourselves. When they get a golf ball in their yard, they go put it in the box so somebody else can have it. They want somebody else to have what they could have. They understand what it's like to experience the freedom that comes from the gospel because it sets you free, and they want to give it to somebody else. They have the freedom to love somebody else. And isn't that what the Forest Lake Church is all about? I mean, that's our, that's our motto is to live the gospel, not to have the gospel, but to live it and give it. I mean, that's in every minute of every day, in every moment, in every interaction you have with anybody, not just people that are inside the church, but more importantly, people that are outside the church. That's your neighbors, that's your coworkers, that's your servers at restaurants, that's your mechanics, that's your barbers. Church, my heart longs for this church to be more and more focused on mission, to be focused on discipling our community with the love of Jesus that only can change hearts and minds and bring them into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what my heart burns for. This past week, as I was perusing Facebook, I came across a post from one of my best friends in the whole world. His name is Luke Steen. He's the uh, senior lead pastor there at Alpharetta SDA Church up in Atlanta. Uh, he was uh, the associate pastor with me for three years, and, and he posted this, this quote, and I said, man, that's going to my sermon this week. It's from one of my favorite authors of all time. Her name is Ellen White, and she writes in the book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. Here's what she says. Here it is on the screen for you. She says, when love fills the heart it will flow out to others. Not because of favors received from them, but because love is the principle of action. Love modifies the character. It governs the impulses. It subdues enmity and ennobles the affections. She goes on to the next slide. She says, this love is as broad as the universe and is in, in harmony with that of the angel workers that are working just like you and me to share the gospel. Cherished in the heart, it sweetens the entire life and sheds its blessings upon all around. It is this and this only that can make us the salt of the earth. Man, I want to be the salt. I want to be the people of salt that in every interaction we change the flavor and it just is so much better. That burns in my heart. It's what, it's what we're called to do, church, to share what we have and give it to others. You know, while this freedom campaign can easily feel like it's all about money and debt, 
the heart of this campaign is wrapped up in mission, to be free from what we have, to be more focused on others and spreading the love of Jesus. And I believe that as our church culture shifts towards others, that we will truly find freedom. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, today I'm challenged to be more missional, to think of others first. And I pray for our church, God, that you continue to move us and challenge us and make us lovers, that not keepers. Uh, may we live the gospel in powerful ways. And God, with this capital campaign, it's yours. It's not even about us. We just get the humbling opportunity to be a part of it. So God, we're praying for your uh, will to be in this and that as you move forward that we can follow you. So God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.